You're listening to the Bill McIntosh Show. Bill McIntosh show now on with Epic Times investigative reporter Joseph M. Hanneman. Um, he's been focusing on the January 6, 2021 incursion. Some will call it a, a rebellion, an uh, insurrection. Others will call it a riot or, a, you know, something that got out of hand. Uh, and he's been the scriptwriter for the documentary, The Real Story of January 6th, and he's handled general news in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, his work over a nearly 40-year career has appeared in Catholic World Report, the Racine Journal Times, Wisconsin State Journal, and the Chicago Tribune. It's great to have you on. Joseph Hanneman, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. You know, listen, this, this story has gripped America, like it or hate it. Some you know, deem this as another Pearl Harbor moment or, you know, where were you on 9-11 or the JFK assassination? To me, it's... Um, just a little bit of hype, um, but let's focus in on four people died that day. They tell us about that. I don't want to take away take away the story. It's, I almost want to just open up the micro home and let my microphone and let Joseph Hanneman speak. Joseph, tell us about the deaths and who the villains are. Well, there were four deaths on January sixth, and all four were Donald Trump supporters. Uh, and all of them, to one degree or another, were related to police use of force. Um, the Probably the most widely recognized case is that of Ashley Babbitt, the uh, Air Force veteran and National Guard veteran uh, who was shot and killed by Capitol Police Lieutenant Michael Byrd just outside the Speaker's lobby near the House of Representatives in the Capitol. And our, our documentary, we had a use of force expert, Stan Kephart, uh, who was uh, one of the top experts in the country in terms of testifying on these types of issues, use of force and crowd control. And his conclusion after looking at all the video was that uh, the shooting was a murder. He called it murder under the color of authority uh, by Lieutenant Byrd. He said he violated his oath and the law and he should be subject to uh, arrest or grand jury. Uh, and his analysis was that there were no conditions present that would lead uh, an officer to believe his life was in imminent danger, as in he would be killed if he did not take this action, uh, or he would be grievously injured. Those are, the, those are the two conditions that would allow someone to use deadly force, and he did not see it. He said there were plenty of other options for him that he could have taken, including retreat. He said that was may have been the most sensible thing uh, if, because Lieutenant Byrd, in the one media interview he has given since that day, he said he, he did not know if it was a man or a woman. He could not see the person's hands well enough to know whether they had anything in their hands, could not tell what was in the backpack, and indeed could not judge the person's uh, motivation or intent. So that, that's a lot of unknowns uh, when, you're, when you're using deadly force. And that, you know, our, our expert is 
that that really fails. Uh, uh, there's a four-part litmus test that the Supreme Court set out, and said it really fails on all on all points. And uh, and on other, other factors in in that make it not a clean shoot, aside from the fact that that an innocent woman was killed, um, there was a lot of people in the backdrop. So when you when you line up your weapon and there's all sorts of innocent people that could be struck uh, either by a through and through or, or a miss that would ricochet off of uh, you know marble walls, uh, that's not a that's not a safe thing to do. And in fact, there were three Capitol police officers who were standing along the doorway uh, who had just seconds before moved out of the way and. Uh, they kind of abandoned their post, and there were also uh, Capitol Police SWAT team officers that were coming up the stairs who would, again, within seconds, would be in position there, and that could have put them at risk. And, and then, there, you know, there's another 30, 40 people packed in this small space that, that could have been injured if, if the shot had had gone awry or had gone, you know, through her body and, and bounced off something. So um, you said it just, you know, it, it just did not, uh, it did not follow proper procedure and training. Right. Well, I mean, just to play devil's advocate for a second, what were the alternative tactics that, that Lieutenant Bird could have employed um, when that, when that um, window in the speaker's lobby was, was broken? The retreat, I think, was what uh, Stan Kephart felt might have been the best option. So you could step back, maybe closer to some of where, where some of the other officers had taken up uh, cover, um, you know, 25 feet away or so. So you could see yeah. if someone's coming through and get a better sense, okay, no weapon. Um, and then, then you approach that person straight on. So Ashley would have seen... Uh, police officers coming at her and being a law enforcement officer herself um, you know I know her husband said if, if she had known anyone was uh, was aiming a weapon she would have certainly given herself up immediately um, and you know another option would have been uh, just charging over there keep keep the gun trained but grab her by the backpack and pull her down I mean, she was right. five foot two she weighed 115 pounds soaking wet um, so that that also would would have been an option, and then immediately cover. So you know, those were just two of the options right. that he had. Right, right. So um, is it true that Lieutenant Byrd at any moment gave any warning that he would open fire, or indicated that um, that they were crossing a red line, or something of that nature? What he said in his his uh, only media interview was that he was screaming at the top of his lungs um, and that his his voice was sore and hoarse for the next three days because of it. Um, it's it's really impossible to tell on the video because he had a, a face covering on, a black face covering on uh, due to COVID. Um, the people inside the, the hallway where Ashley was, um, no one reported hearing anything coming from the speaker's lobby. Now that doesn't necessarily mean he didn't say stop, stop, or others didn't didn't yell stop, but there was some the ambient noise in that hallway, and you can hear this on the video. It, it it's 
it's terrible. You couldn't hear anything. Um, people were screaming gun because they could see in the corner birds gun peeking out uh, through the, the edge of the window. And uh, some of the cameramen shooting that said, gun, gun, he's got a gun. Nobody heard it. Uh, right. Clearly, uh, Ashley Babbitt didn't hear it or she she would not have climbed up in that window, I'm sure. So, you know, he says that he did. The, the people inside the speaker's lobby did not hear anything. Certainly both things are possible, uh, but, you know, that it, the notion that she, they like to say she disobeyed command from a federal agent, but uh, her husband says she she did not ignore anything. He said there's no way she could have heard that. Which because, command? When? <laughs> so, I mean, because, you know, the in the immediate, um, let's say, time period preceding the fatal gunshot wound to Ashley Babbitt, um, you know, we we see a protagonist, and this is somebody who's been referred to as Helmet Man or Helmet Boy. Um, I guess his name is it. What's his name? Zach Alam. Zachary Alam. Yes, Who is he, this person? Uh, well, he was he was definitely uh, the provocateur uh, du jour, if you will, in in that hallway. Uh, he did the most damage. He was given uh, or handed a helmet that actually I believe belonged to him, but somebody was holding it for him, and he used that like a like a, a Kevlar cudgel and started smashing out the windows. Uh, a few minutes before he did that, he was punching the windows and throwing these punches right next to the head of one of the Capitol Police officers. Uh, I think they they had remarkable restraint, or I don't know what may have been operative in their mind, but he was clearly trying to instigate something. He was trying to whip up the crowd, you know, trying to damage the windows, which he which he did. He knocked several of them out. Um, and uh, Ashley got into a kind of a running battle, if you were, verbally, uh, with Zachary Alam. She tried to approach him uh, and tell him to knock it off, and he brushed her aside. And so she, you know, she backed off when he did that. But she continued to to shout at him, and then the others who, after the police moved out, just kind of went in a furious frenzy at the doors. Uh, one with a flagpole, another one was was doing karate kicks at it, and um, and nothing was going to move those doors. You know, the people were some of them were slamming into it with their shoulders, uh, and she stood back along the wall and and was was screaming. She said, "Stop it! Knock that off!" She she berated the three Capitol cops who were standing there, saying, "Call for backup." And uh, you know, she amazing. Clearly, it was trying to stop what was going on. And by the way, were there several witnesses? Pardon me, uh, Joseph. Were there several witnesses attesting to the fact that she had she had asked Alam and or others to, to to cool it down and to to stop the provocation and to stop the um, you know the uh, disorderly conduct, which is actually it's a kind of an inadequate term to describe it, but the you know just the the violent behavior. Criminal, criminal damage to property clearly was, I mean, what was going on in that hallway clearly would fit the definition of a riot. I mean, not everyone was rioting, and she was lumped in with this group in the legacy media, 
as you know, a seditionist, insurrectionist, uh, rioter. But she didn't riot uh, anything. But uh, she was very upset at what was going on, and I think fearful because it was getting out of control. And she did what she could uh, right up to the second she climbed in that window. Because right before she did that, she grabbed Zach Alam by the backpack and she gave him a left hook to the nose, knocked his glasses off and kind of befuddled him, just kind of shaking his head, uh, you know, wondering what's going on. And that was her final, her final act. And then she climbed up in the window. Uh, we don't yet know whether she was given a hand. There were a couple of what we call suspicious actors right near her um, who haven't been identified, charged, arrested, anything like that. So we, we still have some mysteries surrounding this, but um, she clearly, she was, she wanted Zach Alam out of her way so she could, she could escape. I think that's uh, Aaron Babbitt, her husband said, he, he, that is his belief is that she assessed the situation. Saw SWAT coming up the stairs you know, saw Zachary Alam had just been, you know, been smashing windows that she had to get out of there. And so she climbed up and, uh, and was shot, you know, well, she hadn't even fully, uh, fully appeared through the window when she was shot. Now, now by the way, they, I, I seem to recall clips and the clips somehow this always disappear. It's hard to find them. The more we, the more time passes between January 6, 2021 and today, it seems like there's more and more things taken off of the web. But I, th I thought I saw a clip of him on the first floor prior to this. Well, he was just like acting like a guy who was just on speed. He was just bouncing around and acting like a total jerk, out of character. He did not appear like to be somebody who um, was level-headed at all. He seemed like he was, you know, looking to, to start a fight, acting like a jackass. Do you know what I'm referring to? Have yes. you seen any other clips of Zach yes. Alam? Yeah. In fact, I, I referenced those in some of my stories. In fact, I've got them on uh, my own Rumble page that we use to embed the, uh, the videos. He came from behind police lines down outside the rotunda and just started doing what he did in the, in the speaker's lobby hallway. He just started shouting, hey, hey. I mean, it was it was nothing but trying to irritate people. And a fellow who looked to be in his 70s came over and slapped him upside the head and said, shut up. And uh, I think that really shocked him because he didn't expect this little little old man who was bending down to pick something off the floor to come over and uh, and smack him in the face. Um, and so the, they, the police started watching him at that point and others in the crowd said, okay, well, this is a troublemaker. Uh, we also have him on video um, speaking to uh, Taylor Hansen, who was one of the independent journalists who was filming that day. Um, and he came up to Taylor and said, we started, started talking about, uh, isn't this great? It's all about world revolution or, or something like that. And not, not the kind of thing you're going to hear too many Trump supporters saying. Yeah, yeah. That, you don't so, associate that with MAGA. You associate that with Marxism. Yes. Antifa. Yeah. And, yep. Oh, we're not so supposed to was, say that, though, Joseph. No, no. That, but that was that was uh, clearly something that doesn't make him look too good, especially because a little later, you know, he was up in that uh, up in that hallway, uh, just causing absolute chaos. I mean, he 
he created the conditions that led to this shooting. Uh, if, if he is not there, not not uh, smashing and instigating and, and egging other people on, uh, I don't I don't think Ashley ever gets up in that window. But what, of course, yeah. we'll never know that. Of course, one final one final uh, question I want to ask about Zach Alam, the the helmet guy that shattered the window before Ashley Babbitt, you know, got into the window cell. Um, do we know anything at all about, I know he has a criminal past. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, he's got a record. Um, when they were searching for him, the FBI was looking for him in January, 2021, and they had gotten a tip. Um, and they were also were able to hone in on his cell phone. He was staying in a, in a motel in Pennsylvania and they raided the, the hotel room. Uh, I don't know if he was there. I don't think he was there at the time, but they found uh, approximately $5,200 in, in stolen items that apparently had been taken from a nearby strip mall or an antique mall of some kind. So he has a case in Pennsylvania for, uh, for felony uh, theft uh, in addition to you know, a very long list of charges related to January 6th in federal court. Um, and, and he had some other brushes with the law. I, I don't remember all of them off the, off the top of my head, but he was certainly no stranger to law enforcement uh, before January 6th. Sure. Sounds like a back to back to blue type of guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. This, <laughs> I, he may have seen enough uh, blue from the back as they were the yeah, couple that... of them leading him away, but yeah, it's, it, he certainly did not fit the profile. And he was not alone that day. There were many people there right. that looked out of place, acted out of place. And, you know, the crowd, uh, the crowd seemed to spot people like that pretty quickly and, and call them out. You know, you'd, right. I mean, you'd we don't know anything about okay. Right. We don't know anything about his political background, do we? Have we been able to ascertain anything besides the fact that we know he was like a guy who was arrested a lot? And by the way, is he in jail right now? Is he in jail? Yes, he is. Yes. Yeah. He's been detained Where? since he was arrested at the, uh, at the end of January, 2021. I believe he's in the Northern Neck jail in Virginia. Um, or at least he was last time I checked. So yeah, he's been in custody, uh, ever since that day. Right. Right. Okay. So and this brings me to strange guy number two, which is, um, Jaden X, uh, John Sullivan, who I couldn't help but notice that when Ashley Babbitt was shot, he immediately starts saying, she's dead, she's dead. I mean, what, what is that? You well, know, I, I, I actually, I think John Sullivan, Jaden X, who, who really got the best, uh, I think the best view of, of what happened in the hallway and, and quite a bit of very valuable video overall from, from across the Capitol, um, I think he was very traumatized by it. He's, he was interviewed on InfoWars just seconds after this all happened. Sam Montoya got him on camera, and he's saucer-eyed. He just he looks terrified, and I, I don't think it was an act. He gave an interview to Rolling Stone a couple of days later, or maybe it was even the next day, and, and he did put that across, that, that he can't stop seeing her fall back and he said he thought he saw her die uh, or, you know, the, the light go out of her eyes or however he put it. But, uh, you know, then over time he changed his story and it was a little less sympathetic or a lot less sympathetic towards uh, Ashley Babbitt. But I think on that day, you know, he was, he was definitely 
stunned by it. A lot of people have all sorts of theories about about John. I've not seen any evidence that would support any of these that that he was an organizer or he worked with Ray Epps or you hear a lot of these things, but uh, those things just seem to be pulled out of the air. Um, you know, he says he went there to document the day he was there with a, a filmmaker named Jade Sacker, and they both went on CNN that night. And, and indeed, John was initially paid quite a bit of money for his footage. It was ninety thousand uh, dollars, which uh, the federal government then seized. When uh, he is also a defendant, uh, although he is out on personal recognizance, um, unlike uh, you know a lot of his his. Uh, fellow defendants from that day. Right, or people who just were kind of just walked in, you know, and weren't doing anything besides taking selfies with the cops or just like sightseeing inside the, the, the Capitol, maybe for many the first time they've been there. But is it, is it, uh, have we been able to ascertain that he was also one of the people that was saying, we did it, we did it, like in terms of like breaching the Capitol or something? What, what was the, what was he referring to when he said, we did it? Well, it, it's not fully apparent watching the video, and I have seen that uh, that video. He was actually videoing uh, Jade Sacker. She was the one who said, "Hey, we did it. You were right. We did it." Um, and you know, you could take that many ways. From we did yeah. it, as in this was a plot, and we carried it out, and we we caused all this mayhem up there, um, or it was just like. Uh, you know, we were able to get the greatest video. So, because he said, you're going to make the greatest film of your entire life, is what he told her. And, uh, you know, I do believe that uh, John had uh, had some serious feelings for her. I, I did interview him, um, uh, well, by, by exchange messages that probably about six months ago. And uh, so I think, you know, I don't know if he was considering her his girlfriend. She was described that way in various places. But, um, you know, it's not fully apparent. I'm not fully convinced that the we did it uh, is necessarily uh, the worst case scenario, that that right. means he was a plotter. Yeah, we we, uh, we he just, didn't, we he just he, don't no. know. She, hasn't spo- she has not spoken uh, about the experiences that day, and nor has she been charged or arrested, which which is uh, – which is also interesting because there are a number of independent journalists who were filming that day who were arrested and charged, uh, and, and all they were doing was wielding a camera. Right, and uh, at, at any point did did he give away that he broke windows or helped break windows or anything like that? I thought I I, I thought I, I saw a clip like that, but maybe I'm mistaken. I don't know. There's a lot of clips. Now, the only evidence they have, and he, he did talk about this, is that he taps on a window. I, I forget which room it was in, uh, but, you know, he was he's doing a, a self-narrative as he's filming this, and he came up and, and tapped one of the windows. I don't recall exactly what he used to tap the window. Uh, did not crack it or break it, but that was considered, and, and certainly others have been charged for for the same kind of level of things that, it didn't rise to criminal damage or anything like that, but prosecutors seem to think that that showed intent. Yeah, so he has, you know, he said he was he, he was not intending to break the window. That was not his that was not his intention. So, uh, but you know, that video I'm sure will will be used against him when he comes to trial. Which at this point, 
isn't going to be before the middle of uh, 2023. I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't bet the farm on that. I mean, um, there are other people that that it's been described as they've been described as people being, you know, just basically watching stuff and weren't breaking anything, weren't getting physical with with police, law enforcement. Try.